At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And a very happy Halloween to all of our listeners at home, but none happier than the people helping to pay our rent this month, the Alexandria Archive. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I just try to change it up a little bit. So uh, tell me more about the Alexandria Archives. What's that? Well, you know, I'd love to tell you more about the Alexandria Archives, except as far as podcasts go, they're so mysterious. Oh, mysterious, you say? That sounds like a mystery I'd like to solve. (laughs) It sure does sound like an intersection of interests very specific to our cultivated audience, doesn't it? It sure does. It sounds like it's just the kind of show you might enjoy if you like audio dramas, weird things, comedy, creatures... The South, which is maybe a bit testier these days, but... A fictionalized version of the South where things aren't terrible? (laughs) Hey, there it is. Uh, Anyway, the Alexandria Archives is a really, really fun um, scripted fiction podcast that borders on the strange and supernatural. It's a really, really great time. The people who run it are all fantastic. And if you like me and Addison, then chances are we'll pop up there again and again. So... (laughs) Get that in your ears, on your podcatchers, wherever radio waves are distributed. Get it right to the microchip in your brain, left there after an alien abduction. You wouldn't download a podcast. I I hope you would, actually. (laughs) Please do. Please God do. Is there anywhere on the internet that people could find this podcast, or do they have to, like, send off a letter in the mail and, like, get an unmarked disc back that they put in their computer and then wait for it Well, that actually sounds way more fun, but yeah, if you just go straight to (laughs) LimeWire, you can... Alex, no. No, do not LimeWire a pod... I don't even know if you can LimeWire a podcast. I don't think LimeWire exists anymore. That's probably for the best... This is a very bad ad. Okay, so you can find them. You can find them anywhere you download podcasts. I believe they're on. I believe they're on Stitcher. I know they're on iTunes. Mm-hmm, definitely on iTunes. If you want to look for their headquarters, so to speak, you can go to www.alexandriaarchives.com. That's A L E X A N D R I A A R C H I V E S dot com. Love it. All right, so. This is kind of a special occasion episode. Yes, it's part one of our Halloween special. Yeah, we're bringing you guys a Halloween special in two parts this year because you all mean so much to us. One part Uh, will drop before (laughs) Halloween and one will drop after. (laughs) But So there you go. It's a nice little like seasonal sandwich for you. It's the it's the orange cream Oreo of podcast listening experiences. I was just gonna say that. We're so in sync. Oh nice. Uh, do you remember it. when Oreo even across the many many miles? Do you know when Oreo came out with the uh, with like I mean obviously Oreo is committing a lot of sins against like God and nature lately, but they uh, came out with a candy corn Oreo once at one point in time. I don't know if you were around. Oh, I think I saw that. I did not. I try didn't get it, to yeah. try it. I heard very mixed things. I do 
a get down on those Christmas Oreos, but that's about the only time I really... I love candy corn, but here's the thing about candy corn is like a lot of the appeal of candy corn for me is that it's like wax that's safe to eat. So I don't know that that will translate well to an Oreo cookie format, but anyway. Sometimes you just want to chomp down on a Yankee candle and Oreos will not do. (laughs) No, I want to eat little wax niblets made of sugar. And that's what candy corn is. And I say that as... I love candy corn. Okay, anyway. <laughs> anyway. So our cryptid this week is actually very many cryptids, and uh, that's because it is a listener story submission episode. Mm-hmm. So we've done a couple of these before, and they have always been a lot of fun for us, and apparently a lot of fun for you guys, judging by the really, really enthusiastic response in our inbox. So we've curated a whole bunch of stories. Um, there are about 10 on this episode that we'll do, and we'll try to get another 10 in on next time. And... These are all directly from listeners who have submitted directly to our inbox saying like, hey, this is a personal experience that I had. So if you want to get in on this for next time, um, we already have more than enough for this two-part special. But literally any time you guys can send these to our inbox. And as soon as we accumulate enough, we try to fit another episode into the mix. So um, they're really, really fun for us. And if you mm-hmm. don't mind sharing your stories, it's always a great time. So uh, let's let's jump right in. Are you ready? I'm very ready. I'm very excited. Cool. So I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Take a crack at this first one did here. Did you just crack your knuckles? I did. <laughs> I thought so. I thought you might want that delicious Foley. It's, it's you getting... I can only crack one of my knuckles. It's my right hand index finger. Oh, interesting. That's, I okay. don't know if you heard that. That's the only knuckle that will crack. I did. Yeah, I did. I've tried. None of the others will do it. All right. So this first listener story comes to us from Adina, who is at Reverie Flora on Twitter. Thanks, Adina. Um, and this is a hat man sighting. Oh, boy. Yeah, it seems like of all the listener stories that we get, most of them are, like, shadow people-centric. That seems to be the most, like, widely experienced cryptid, at least in our listener base. It's definitely common, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's see what Adina has to say. Mm-hmm. Please. Ahem. Your episode on shadow people reminded me of the time I saw the hat man myself, as well as the other shadow people that live in my grandparents' house. Oh. So that's a heck of an opener. That's an opener, (laughs) huh? I lived with my grandparents until I was five, and while their house is most definitely haunted, there are other paranormal things that also go on in that house. Oh. You know, in addition to the hauntings. Just a lot of very... I'll start off with the hat man, since that was my most personal experience. I was about four years old at the time. I shared a bedroom with my mother and my aunt. My mom and I had our beds next to each other, and my aunt's was on the other side of the room. My mom was laying down with me to try and get me to sleep when I saw a large, pitch-black figure standing at the foot of my bed. When I asked my mom why she was standing up, she told me that she wasn't. When I asked why auntie was standing up, my mom told me she wasn't in the room. No! When I then asked her who was standing at the foot of my bed, my mom got frightened and took me out of the room. We slept on the couch that night. Yeah. I never knew what I had seen until I was quite a bit older. <laughs> However, what I saw exactly resembles what people describe as the hat man. The best way I can describe it is a shadowy version of a detective in an old black and white film. It looked as though he was wearing a long overcoat and a flat brim hat. At the time, I only remember feeling confusion. However, thinking of what I saw now tends to leave me with a very uneasy feeling. I have not seen him since then. Wow. Yeah, there's a little bit more, though. Oh, yeah, please. The other shadow figure I've seen in my grandparents' house is a bit different. I've only been able to see him in my peripheral vision. His presence itself is much more noticeable. In my grandparents' house, there is a hallway off of the living room that leads to the bedrooms. 
The shadow man has never seemed to move from that hallway. Oh no. Sometimes he's not there at all, but I haven't felt his presence anywhere else in the house. I don't feel uneasy when he's around. However, I don't feel warmth or comfort either. <laughs> it's a very neutral presence, as if there's just a person standing a little bit behind you. I've noticed this ever since I was a little kid. He's never directly interacted with anyone in the house. It sounds a bit silly, but I think he's shy and just enjoys people watching. Okay, Whenever that's nice. <laughs> isn't it cute? Whenever someone walks in the hallway, the presence seems to disappear. I was very creeped out by this one when it started, but now I'm not afraid anymore. This one's okay. Yeah, we got a pretty wide range of shadow people experiences. Like, some of them are very, very neutral. Some of them definitely are, like, uh, uneasy circumstances. Some of them are downright malevolent. And then others yeah. are actually, like, really kind of nice. If I wanted to play, like... Lorraine Warren for a second um, and I really ought to do a whole episode on the Warrens at some point if you don't know who they are they were um, paranormal investigators I mean technically Lorraine Warren is still alive she's still kicking at 92 years old um, but I always love whenever the sentence still alive includes a technically in it <laughs> like that's I mean, a the, fun time for me the other Ed Warren her husband her late husband is no longer alive but they were paranormal investigators and they did a lot of like talking and, and there's a lot of debate about if they were kind of con artists because they had a tendency to exaggerate sure. their involvement in certain famous cases but they always would talk about the distinction between a ghost which is like a human that has died um and a demonic or inhuman entity because according to them hauntings can be either and so mm -hmm. if you talk about shadow people and, like, the variety of experiences, I always would, like, think that if I were coming at it from the perspective of, like, the Warrens, I would think of that shadow person as, like, probably an actual, like, formerly human ghost, just, like, a guy who's shy in the mm -hmm. hallway. And they would probably look to some of the more malevolent ones and be like, that's demonic. And that doesn't mean yeah. I believe that. That just is what I always, what I think about. Yeah, but it's interesting that you would bring that up, actually, because that's a really nice segue into our next listener story. Oh, am I going to read it? <laughs> yeah, I would love for you to. Now, just as a heads up, um, this next story does involve, like, some kind of serious and heavy material, specifically having to do with, like, suicidal impulses and self-harm. Um, but it's got a really, really nice, like, ending to it. Okay. So it's not, like, a, you know, it's not a a bad story necessarily it's just like that context is important yes. to understanding what's going on okay good to know thank you for the warning to me and for those listening yep so this comes from samantha is that their age is it twist 20 their age yeah, yeah okay yeah. i figured i just wanted to make sure that wasn't a username of some kind so samantha no, age i just tried to share the information that we were given which is sometimes a lot and sometimes not yeah. so so this is samantha age 20 from utah writing about a shadow person so they also said, just as a warning, this story does involve suicide and self-harm, but I think it's important. So, I had a shadow friend. I was in 8th or ninth grade, and I had just moved from California to Utah and was starting a new school without knowing anyone. This was when my depression and anxiety started manifesting, and I felt alone and hopeless and like no one understood me. Until my shadow friend appeared. I don't remember exactly how it started, but I would feel a presence in my room. It was usually when I was self-harming or freaking out alone in the middle of the night. It was never anything that scared me. He actually had a calming energy about it. Even when I looked to the corner of my room and see a tall shadow figure, I would feel calm. There were a couple times that he even moved stuff. So, my room used to be part of a garage. It used to just be a small living room, kitchen, and upstairs, but they got rid of the garage for another living room and another bedroom. However, they didn't feel the need to change my door, 
So I had this heavy, solid wood door that would have been the entrance from the garage to the rest of the house. Well, one night I was trying to sleep, and I heard my door slam shut. It was two in the morning, so no one else in the house was awake. There was also a time when I was laying in my bed, having come home from an awful day at school, and I had my back facing my bedroom so that I was just staring at my wall that my bed was pushed up against. I don't hear my door open, but I do feel someone sit on my bed. I thought it was my mom and she had come to check on me, but when I turned, there's no one there. A month after that incident, my mom tells me that the previous owners had a son who was suicidal. There was one night where he threatened to kill himself with a knife, and his mom called the police because she didn't know what to do. Well, when the cops show up, the son runs out onto the porch and starts waving the knife around, scaring the cops. He ends up getting shot and killed on the front steps. I believe that the son was my shadow friend. It's been around five years since I moved out of that house, and sometimes I have to drive past it. Whenever I do, I always hope I'll catch a glimpse of my shadow friend. He helped me through a rough time in my life, and I owe a lot to him. Oh, man. Yeah, right? Ugh. That hurts my heart, but like it's it's like really good in terms of haunting. It was stories. like such a fascinating story, yeah. Um, and it's I don't know. I always I really like stories like this because like you know we alternately catch like either a lot of heat or a lot of support for the times on our podcast when we um like to blatantly refute all evidence of anything being a malevolent creature and talking instead about what good friends we have on the other side. But I really enjoy stories like this because I think it's mm-hmm. really neat that like. There's not necessarily an inherent morality to supernatural experiences. Um, just yeah. like there's not an inherent morality to people in general. You know, it's just like some energies are good energies and some energies are bad energies. Yeah. And some of them like seem to have these really empathic connections with people who maybe share their own experiences just like people mm-hmm. do. And that's the thing. It's something I've always said, actually. And we joke a lot about and about saying that nothing is, that all the creatures are our friends on here. But like, in all seriousness, I, I have always taken a bit of offense, weirdly, to this idea that like, if we can expect uh, and understand nuance from humanity as a species, then why do we not afford that to any other theoretical species, be that alien, be that... Yeah, uh, supernatural creatures. There's always this weird, like, this entire species is this morality or does these things. And it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe not. What if things have individual personalities and needs and wants and desires uh, and motivations? That's one of my favorite things about, like, and this is kind of a running joke in the, the tabletop gaming community, but, like, in... And, and I'm assuming that, like, a lot of our listeners are familiar with this. But if you're not, um, in Dungeons & Dragons, there are, like, entire species or or races, to use the games term, which I think is a, a poor one. Um, but there are entire classifications of people that have, like, moralities assigned to them as a group. Like tieflings. Like, like tieflings, for example, are all supposed to be bad. And everybody I know who's ever played a tiefling has been like, this is my special, small, perfect, soft son. <laughs> I'm like, yes, agreed. It's good. I that, I that story is really, I love that a lot, actually. I'm really glad. Thank yeah, you for sending that in. Yeah, I thought it was in. really, really cool. And mm-hmm. thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much, Samantha. And thank you for your vulnerability in sharing that, too, because I know that can sometimes be like a hard, a hard thing to talk about. But I think it's an important thing to talk about. I also just, this is a bit of a non sequitur, but 
when we're talking about sort of benevolent or like helpful or healing hauntings, I would like I never really request specific things from listener stories, but I would really love it if uh, anybody has any stories of uh, ghost pets, if you could send them in, because that's something that I, I think about a lot and is very special to me. And uh, something I have always insisted happened, uh, and I'm sneaking in a story on you, Alex. Oh, um, okay. Something I've always insisted happened when I was a kid. And of course, like when you're a child, the line between imagination and reality is very thin. And of course, there's a lot of reasons why this might not have actually happened or could have been a sort of half dream or what have you. But when I was a kid, I... Uh, when I was a little kid, when I was about five, five or six, shortly after we moved to Virginia, we were in our, our first house, which we only lived in for about a year, but that was the house we lived in when my dad, my, like, his, for, like, a large portion of, of his adult life, uh, this cat lived to be 21 years old, had this big, had this big fluffy black cat named Gus. And mm-hmm. I, as a little kid, absolutely loved this cat. And this cat was so tolerant of me. Like, I was like, because you know how little kids are and they don't understand. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, I would, no, like, I know. pet the cat by, like, patting him very hard on his head and, like, <laughs> chase him around. Just, you grab a handful of tail and you're like, this is the softest thing. And yeah. it's like, that that's not great for the cat. Yeah. But he never hissed at me. He never. He was very sweet. He was very sweet. Sweet fluffy old man and he passed away while we were living in that house and i still i i insisted as a kid and i still insist to this day um whether it be again like just something i needed to have happen or what it was Mm -hmm. the first animal that i animal loss that i was aware of as a child and i have a very distinct memory of being asleep in bed and feeling the cat hop up onto the bed and feeling like Mm -hmm. the weight and the warmth on my legs and oh i'm crying (laughs) I just and I I hear a lot of stories like that and again whether it's like a dream or something that you feel as you grieve or what have you or if it's real or some sort of leftover something I just that's very special to me like the echo of that unconditional love means a lot to me so I just want to put that out there if you have ghost pet stories please send them in to me so I can see them uh I snuck in an 11th story on you but you did and this is like a funny maybe not quite accurate transition but our next listener story comes from someone named ultra corgi I saw that in the sidebar and I got very excited (laughs) oh Um, That's the only identifier I have for this person. But Ultra Corgi, thank you for your story. And thank you for giving me a name that I um, am obsessed with. It's fun to say. Hey, says Ultra Corgi. (laughs) I'm not sure if you guys plan to do a third listener story episode or not. We do. We do. (laughs) But after listening to your Shadow Person episode a few times. Okay, please love yourself, Ultra Corgi. (laughs) (laughs) I decided I had to send this story to you. A few months ago, I had a direct encounter with the hat man himself. So this is like recent, recent. Okay. It was around 11 o'clock at night, and I was lying in bed when I noticed a figure lean in from my doorway. At first, I thought it was just one of my parents checking in on me for some reason, but I noticed the movements were way too smooth and deliberate for an adult waking up in the middle of the night. Okay, that's a big mood. (laughs) Yeah, like same, but also that is very creepy and uncomfortable. All right. As an adult who frequently wakes up in the middle of the night, let me tell you, there is nothing smooth or deliberate about that. (laughs) After staring at me from my doorway for a solid minute, the figure glided into my room and made its way over to my bed. Something that I realize now is that the figure made a strange movement across my room. It made sure to keep a distance from both my left wall and my desk, two places I display religious paraphernalia. Oh. 
The figure continued to glide towards me, and I began to feel the fear characterized by Shadow Man encounters. I was almost immobilized by a deep, primal fear, and I had the urge to bolt from my room. By now, the figure had stopped at the side of my bed, just standing over me. I could easily see the fedora the hat man usually wears, as well as the two colored eyes, but when I try to remember their exact color, they shift back and forth from red to white. Ah. The figure made Yeah, isn't that wild? The figure made a motion like it was reaching out to me, but at the last second burst apart, dispersing into a sort of black smoke and drifting out my open window or into a nearby air conditioning vent. This was the main encounter I've had with the hat man. But from that first encounter onwards, he hasn't left me alone. <gasps> I see him even during the day, as a black shape standing in a street corner out of the corner of my eye, or as a black cloud flitting across my peripheral visions. It is interesting to note that I have been arguing with my parents very often now, and this is leading to some turmoil in the family. Perhaps that is what summoned him to me, but that's just speculation. I hope you guys decide to include this in your next listener story episode, if you end up doing one, and hopefully you can tell me if what I saw really was the hat man. Okay, Ultra Corgi? It really was the hat man. Like, it sounds like it. <laughs> like, it really 100% was the hat man. My heart is beating so fast. I'm, like, I'm, my heart is beating so fast. All right, so here's what you're going to do, Ultra Corgi. I just checked, did a quick Google search. You can buy holy water on Amazon for, like, five bucks a bottle. Oh, really? There are some even smaller. Um, Church Supply Warehouse has it for two bucks, it looks like. Oh, nice. Ooh, okay, yeah. Here we go. Travel holy water bottle with screw top lid on carabiner clip. <laughs> Pack of 12. 3346, Amazon.com, free shipping. Small price to pay for banishing the evil from your home. Yeah, you can give that to your friends, too. And let me tell you, that little clip, it looks snazzy. Yeah, in all seriousness, I hope you're okay. Yeah, honestly, um, it is really fascinating that, like, it had that particular reaction to the paraphernalia in your room. And um, that makes me think of what Addison was saying about, like, human entities versus demonic entities and, like, that difference. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Exactly. I also, it's it's definitely not, but when you talk about it dissolving into smoke and also avoiding religious paraphernalia, I'm like, that's, like, just, that's Dracula. but. Anyway, that's not... Okay, I'm sorry. I have to divert really quickly because there is a one review on this travel holy water bottle with screw top lid on carabiner clip, and it's three stars. And I'm like, <gasps> how did you mess up holy water? What happened? Tell me. What's the review? Um, it says, okay, three stars. The bottles are great. The clip, not so good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Does not tell me if it's effective in hat man repellent, but... Oh, that's the whole review. Okay. Uh, that's it. The, ha the review is just... <laughs> Bottle's good, clip's bad. All right, so maybe go for one of the other retailers if the clip doesn't really give you anything. But yeah, maybe check that out. Check that out. That is, I, I, I don't, I feel like people who think that I'm like, are like full of artifice and lies are going to think I'm exaggerating my physical reaction to that story. But I, at several points, like if you listen and hear the very quiet, like, ooh, that's me like putting my hand on my chest because I'm experiencing a physical like reaction. But yeah, I, for someone who loves horror as much as I do, I am shockingly faint of heart. Anyway. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, well, we have a few scary ones coming up. Are you going to be okay? Oh, no, I'm really excited. And then later, while I hot glue felt fish onto my Princess Carolyn dress, I'm going to watch some of the uh, new Sabrina show and get spooked. Ah, uh, very good. Salem the cat doesn't talk, apparently. No, he does. I thought he does talk. I, th- I heard he doesn't in this oh. in this show. So I just, I didn't want you to get your hopes up. Lauren Melisi posted something about, like, I wasn't going to watch this if the cat didn't talk, but it turns out the cat is a whole ass demon, was the quote from the status that I saw. So, okay, which, I mean, might not be a talking demon. Oh, man. I hope the cat talks. All right. I hope the cat talks, too. I'll report back <laughs> later about if the cat talks. Okay, let me know. Anyway, would you like to go ahead and read our next story? Yes, I would. Um, this next story comes from Nika. Mm-hmm. So, this is another Hatman story. Um, Nika has not provided us any pronouns, so I'm going to just use they, them, neutral, uh, when referring to this person. All right, so here we go. My name is Nika, and I have always loved the paranormal, and one of my very close friends, Allie, shared this love with me. We even had a little ghost hunting club and would get in trouble in elementary school trying to interact with the ghosts in our school's bathrooms. Oh, man, same, same. Sorry, that was me taking a little sidebar, because, like, I, me too. (laughs) Okay. When I was in middle school, I slept over at my friend Allie's house. She had neck problems and slept in her room upstairs while I slept in the basement. This was a friend who I had known for years and was as comfortable in her house as I was my own, so I was not at all freaked out by being alone in her comfy basement. While looking at my phone with one light on, I happened to see a shadow of a lanky man with a brimmed hat flicker in the corner of my eye. As I turned my head, it vanished. The shadow was different from the shadows created by the lamp. It was instead inky, heavy, and almost swarming as if it was almost staticky around the edges. I wrote it off as sleep playing with my eyes, but every few minutes he loomed over my right shoulder. Despite believing that ghosts were not inherently malicious, the clouded man filled every inch of me with pure fear so much so that I could not even flee the basement to my friend's room. I was so terrified that I decided I would rather plunge the room into total darkness and feign ignorance as to what lurked there with me than continue to see him hovering beside me. I would have written it off as imagination and exhaustion, except the next day at breakfast, my friend brought up the topic of ghosts, as we often did, and before I even mentioned the events of the night prior, she told me of the man with the hat, cloaked in shadows, who would occasionally float out of her closet in the middle of the night, filling her with pure fear. Oh, no. To this day, the dread I felt in that basement was unlike any other form of fear or terror I have ever experienced, and it was not until your episode on Shadow People that I remembered this event. That Shadow People episode messed people up. (laughs) I was going to say, we did a lot of, we like ruined a lot of people's days with that episode. Yeah, Um, it's like the one more than any other episode that I have found evokes that response in people. It's time for me to bring up a thing that I bring up like every five episodes of this podcast, but it continues to be relevant, which is the effect that people discuss in Alien Encounters. Uh-huh. Where they have, they describe that sense of like primal reptilian brain, like fear, like the way that when a cat arches its back and all of its hair goes on end, like the mm-hmm. kind of fear that we don't experience in our everyday lives, even in like very intense or extreme situations, because never do we really in our everyday lives come face to face with something that we, that our 
instincts and our, like, everything that we have evolved to understand cannot comprehend or knows screams just danger. And and that is, it, it reminds me so much of the described response. Also, the staticky around the edges thing is very interesting to me. It reminds me a little bit of, like, old Slenderman stories. It reminds me a little bit of actually just shadow people's stories in general the like blurry around the edges as opposed to how shadows normally look Mm -hmm. is a thing that pops up a lot um or yeah with like shadow entities looking like fuzzy i have to say like (laughs) and this is a silly little thing there are never moments that make me like suddenly envious of people who have 2020 vision than stories like that (laughs) because i'm like well (laughs) i mean Anything I know, could be. I don't know that I could provide that detail. Yeah, me too. Middle of I the night, say. wake up, I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it was it was fuzzy around the edges, but so was my dog, so. Yeah, everything is when I don't have my contacts in. It's, yeah, like, right. I don't know what anything looks like. Yeah, let's roll right into another one. Yeah, I was just taking a break to take a drink of my Perrier sparkling the strawberry cool, refreshing water. refreshing taste of, oh, yeah, not a sponsor. I was going to say, Perrier, if you would like to sponsor me, I drink a lot of your sparkling water. I would love your money. Or just like send me free water. I would love that. I'd drink it and talk All more about it. All water should be free. I mean, that's true. Anyway. Send me free special flavored carbonated water. Send me your classist water. Alex. <laughs> okay. This next story buy, comes to us. <laughs> all right. I'm going to buy a soda stream and seize the means of production. Does that make you happy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. This next story comes to us from Ari Moose. All right. Great name. Ari says, Hi. My husband introduced me to your podcast a few months ago on a road trip, and I've been addicted ever since. Um, incidentally, I want you to know that for most of these stories, I did cut out the part where they were raving about us, but it's totally real and does exist. Oh, very good. Also, thank you, Ari's husband. That's a real fan. All right. <laughs> I'm jumping around to episodes and just recently listened to your listener stories eps. Now... I am definitely the scully to my husband's Mulder. He enjoys <laughs> believing in all the crazy ghost stories and cryptids, while I enjoy hearing about them, but am much more scientifically minded. But here's my story. When I was a kid, like 11 or 12, I was big into witchcraft and Ouija boards and the like. I didn't really believe it, but it was a ton of fun for my friends and I to spook each other. We'd been doing it for years and had a blast. Then, one night, I had a couple friends over while my parents were out, and we were hanging in my backyard. We were having a good time, nothing spooky, just listening to Disney music and being kids. I looked in through the kitchen window and saw what appeared to be a person standing in the hallway wearing a top hat. No! I couldn't make out anything else because he was all black like a shadow. I was terrified. I'd never seen him before, and I promptly had what I now recognize as a small panic attack after seeing him. My friends had mostly left, and the one friend that was still there grabbed a phone for me to call my parents. I cried and insisted that they come home immediately because someone was in the house. My dad came home and searched everywhere and couldn't find any sign that anyone was there. My hobby interest in witchcraft and the like tapered off quickly after that, but I eventually moved on and didn't think much of it again. Cue your shadow people episode. Oh my gosh. My my husband was confused when I paused the episode, heart pounding, to tell him about my experience. We were both a little freaked. I never saw the hat man again, but I can still clearly remember that day, almost 20 years later. Thanks for giving me the chance to share my story. You two are amazing and I've learned a ton. Bonus! I work at a humane society and recently named some cats the following. Kappa, Selkie, Braxy, Ogopogo, Encantado, Fairy, Yeti, Sasquatch, Nessie, and Siren. 
Those, that's the best part of the story. No. Uh, yeah, that's why like, I left that postscript in. I thought it was fun. Hey, um, Ari, can you send us pictures of the cats? Oh my god, please, if you still have them. Uh, or if you had pictures of them when they were there. Like, I, I just want to know which names went to which kitties. I want to I wanna see and see if I can identify <laughs> the thought process. That makes me very happy. It's really honest, very good. I would totally name a cat Nessie. Yeah, um, so sorry about your Hatman experience, but... Like, great job on the cats. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry about your experience with the hat, man. That sounds terrifying. But I was very excited to hear about the animals. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing. That's harrowing. Okay. Yeah, seriously. You're going to love this next one. Oh, is this from you, Alex? No, it's not. Although, I can see why you would think that. Well, it is from someone named Alex. So, I don't know it that may, I believe. It may shock you to know. There are many people named Alex in this world. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Just one of a number of terrifying phenomena we'll discuss today. Oh, gosh. That's like the part that's freaking me out the most. Don't do that. Okay, so this is Shadow People slash Dark Watchers. Okay, let's go. Um, <laughs> this is good because it's uh, the Dark Watchers are local to me. Yeah, right. So this pre-Halloween episode has most of the really, like, spooky ones. Then the post-Halloween will be some more fun ones. Okay, sounds sounds good. That's fair. Like, I, I deserve this. I brought this on myself by making people watch scary movies with me because horror... <laughs> be- I don't know why this is. Horror movies, like films, don't really scare me unless I look for something deliberately that I know will, like, upset me on a very visceral level. Like, if I watch something that's gonna, like, mess with my uh, hypochondria or something. There were definitely moments of the Goosebumps movie starring Jack Black where you, like, grabbed my arm. I was worried about the characters. I wasn't scared. I was tense. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I was worried about R.L. Stein. Is he okay? (laughs) Is he? There's something about an audio format. It's why I used to listen to No Sleep before I started working, and I still listen to it sometimes, but it's weirder when I can hear myself. Um, like that start like just is scarier it's the imagination being able to come into play i guess Mm -hmm, yeah so here we go i've been contemplating whether or not to send this email since the shadow people episode came out but the dark watchers episode really made my decision for me the idea of infrasound really clicked combined with the discussion of shadowy figures in mountainous areas and i really needed to send this story to y'all so this is a really old memory i was somewhere between four and six and it's one of my clearest memories from that time. I grew up in Park City, and my dad commuted to work in Salt Lake every day. Sometimes I would go visit his office in the mornings, but my mother would bring me home rather than waiting for him to be ready to leave. He's kind of a workaholic, so he wouldn't leave until after dark. But this day, for whatever reason, we only had one car with us, and my mother and I had to wait to drive home with him. So this was the first time I'd ever been in Salt Lake City during twilight. I was a really impatient kid, and my mother was at her wit's end trying to find things to keep me quiet, so she took me to the Barnes & Noble at Sugar House, which is an area about a 15-minute drive from my dad's office. I don't know if either of you have ever been to Salt Lake. I haven't, have you? I have not, no. Okay, so, but the mountains surrounding the city are very high and rocky, and you can see them from throughout the city. I-80, the highway that leads back to Park City, goes through the foothills, which are the more suburban part of Salt Lake City and then up through this pretty steep, rocky canyon. Sugar House is pretty far east, closer to the mouth of the canyon than most of the city. Sorry, I swear this detail is important to the story, but feel free to cut the whole story down some if you want to share it in a Listener Stories episode. <laughs> no, I this is not. important. <laughs> so it was about six or seven when we stepped out of the Barnes & Noble, toward the beginning of sunset when everything's starting to get really golden, which was always my favorite time of day. 
but something here felt immediately wrong. Like all the hairs on my arms stood up and I just started bawling. My mother was pretty taken aback. I'd just eaten a big dinner and I'd gotten a new book that I'd been really excited about seconds before. It was really weird for me to start crying this randomly. She couldn't figure out what had freaked me out so much. I just kept saying that I was scared and I wanted to go home. I didn't see or hear anything that I was conscious of. I just had to get out of there. So my mother tried to distract me and we drove back to my dad's office to pick him up. As soon as we got further from the canyon, I calmed down and went back to being excited about all the horses in my book. After we'd picked my dad up and were driving back up toward the canyon, it was now the very end of sunset and it was getting harder to see anything. Once again, once we were within maybe two to three minutes drive from the mouth of the canyon, I flipped. Like, I genuinely still remember the fear I felt because it was such a strong emotion and it was the first time that I'd felt like that. I don't know what gave me this idea, but I remember feeling that we could not drive up that canyon. I was shaking all over and huddled under a blanket with my face against the window, willing our car to go faster. And then I saw something standing on the side of the road, about halfway up a steep rocky slope where people never walk. It was pretty tall. I'd say maybe double the height of a mountain goat, which I know is the weirdest measurement, but that's the only other thing I've seen on that slope, so approximately eight, ten feet tall, and bipedal, and really dark black, like way darker than a dark-furred animal would be. It looked almost like the light was being sucked into it, and looking at it gave me that same feeling of wrongness, as though I absolutely wasn't supposed to be seeing it. That's basically the end of the story. I hid under my blanket for the rest of the drive, and eventually the terrifying feeling faded away. I've driven that highway hundreds of times since and have never seen or felt anything like it there or anywhere else. Since I've heard the episode, I'm now wondering if there could have been some way infrasound was happening around I-80 that day, with the wind blowing down the canyon in a very specific way. I have no idea if that was what was behind this whole experience, but I definitely felt it was similar to this week's episode and worth sharing. Yeah, Yeah. how about that? Oh no. And I I have this thing like spe- I mean I think everyone does if you're familiar with horror trips in any way like if a child or a dog starts freaking out about something with no explanation you listen and you get out of there. <laughs> yeah, you seriously go. like bye. <laughs> Find a new highway to get home. Like, that Barnes and Noble is your house yeah, like, now. You live in the Barnes and Noble now. Sorry. That's that's I don't make the rules. No, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I do really like the potential for the scientific explanation there, though, as well, because, like, it's a horrifying experience regardless whether it was supernatural or not. Like, that story maintains its its impact and its horror for you. Oh, yeah, totally. But it is very interesting to think about the fact that it really could be something that simple as, like, wind creating a frequency that freaked out your little four-year-old nervous system. The infrasound thing is so fascinating. Yeah. I love the science behind it. And then I'm also kind of, like, fixated on because... This is a thing with me, as you know, and as our listeners have probably picked up somewhat by now, is just like the idea that your brain can create experiences for you to have based on stimuli. And mm-hmm. like, that is your reality for that moment. You have literally no way of like yep. knowing any other reality except the one that you're experiencing. And like, it could just be a totally errant set of stimuli. Yep. <laughs> like, it's pretty wild. I've read a little bit about uh, people using infrasound in. Uh, 
but I have a little obsession with um, extreme haunted houses. I'm, I've never been in one and I never will because I'm a coward, but I think they're very interesting. And I know that I've read about places using infrasound to make people nervous and feel that sense of oh, dread. Wow. Yeah. I've heard about some of the extreme places they using kind of subtler stuff like that. Like when you get into extreme haunts, I won't like belabor it right now. I, I, I'll do some sort of side thing where I talk about it. Maybe if anyone wants to hear that, I'll do a bonus episode or something. But when you get into more extreme haunted houses, it's a lot less like people jumping out at you in costumes and a lot more like small psychological things that sort of builds to this just general sense of dread. Or like people waterboarding you. Oh, like yeah. there are some really extreme I'm haunted I'm thinking houses. more like extreme haunts like the 17th door is one I know of, which is less, which is not one where people like put live snakes on you, but more so one that's just built to be like more like a just very disturbing, immersive theatrical experience. But yeah, true. Those are, that's a whole other thing. There's like a whole subgenre of extreme haunted houses that is literally just like consensual torture, and that's something yeah. It's else. like at this point, that's just that's something different. <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> that's something else. All right. Anyway, so uh, what's next listener story? Yeah, this next one's a real palate cleanser of a listener story. Is it so. actually, or are you making fun of me? No, it really is. Okay. This one is much much nicer. Okay, and I just have to take a moment to like chuckle at my own joke because oh. this, the way I've set up these stories on our document, I have like name and then like basic topic so that I would know what it was about. So this one comes to us from Cassie and it's a story about a friendly ghost. So like in my brain, I'm like, I know what Cassie is short for. <laughs> it's probably not. but Obs- Do you know what movie I used to be obsessed with when I was a child? Was it Casper and Wendy? Yes! Direct-to-DVD yeah, gem, <laughs> Casper Meets Wendy. Casper Meets Wendy, of course it was. Okay, you ready? Yes, please. Hi, guys. I just listened to your second listener's experiences, and this has made me want to write down one of my own. I'm 28 years old, and my whole life has been filled with visual encounters of the paranormal. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Zero to 60. Let's go. <laughs> But the most interesting and helpful occurrence happened to the second apartment my husband and I ever lived in. By this point, I'm 23 years old and have had my share of strange paranormal encounters. None of them have ever been malicious or threatening, so I tend to just continue whatever I'm doing and pay it no mind. <laughs> that's Cassie, powerful. you're my hero. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, right. All right. But in this apartment, we had a man who would like to stand above me while I slept. Oh! He he never did anything. He would just stare, almost with a disapproving gaze. He was tall, pale, and had shortish brown hair with glasses. I would usually go sleep on the living room couch if our friend got too annoying. Who can sleep when someone is staring at them? During this time, my husband worked 24-hour shifts as an EMT and would be gone some nights. Whenever he was home, our ghostly friend would stay away. My husband would joke that he was a nullifier. Mr. Ghost always kept to the bedroom and would never follow me into the living room. Hmm. One night, though, he was particularly persistent and wouldn't let me fall asleep in the bedroom at all. I would talk to him. Like I said, this was a pretty normal occurrence, and I said, Okay, okay, I'm going to the living room. So I laid down on the couch, got all situated, and closed my eyes. I could feel him staring again. He had followed me out into the living room for the first time ever. I looked at him and with irritation asked, what? You never come out here. What do you want? He just continued to stare. Now, this whole story is inherently weird, but this situation was not our normal MO. I looked around the living room to see if anything was different. And that's when I saw it. Our hamster's cage door was open. I went into a panic. 
I didn't care about the ghost anymore. I had to find Charlie. I got on all fours and started looking under things. That's when I noticed that my friend was no longer standing in the living room, but had moved to the kitchen area and was pointing. <gasps> oh my he god. Has never, he has never done anything other than stand and stare. He was pointing at the pantry. I went over to the pantry and right on the bottom shelf was Charlie. Oh my god. Our little hamster was covered in cobwebs, but other than that, completely fine. I picked him up, cleaned him, and put him back. Mr. Ghost had gone by then. I said a big thank you and tried to go to bed. I'll Just never forget that encounter. <laughs> it was the most intelligent activity I had ever experienced, and I'm extremely grateful to him. After that night, he went back to spending most of his time in the bedroom, staring. <laughs> <laughs> I like this strange, judgmental ghost that also cares about animals. I love this super weird judgmental ghost that just like is annoyed that you're not taking care of your hamster. Say, do you like do you like sleep in a lot? Like is do you like keep weird hours? Is he just like mad at you because you're wasting your day in his mind? Like does he think you're wasting Come on, your time? I've been at him. Yeah, is that what this Maybe is? that's the only bed in the house that he can sleep in, so whenever you're using it, he's just really pissed. He's just waiting for you to get up so he can go to bed. Are you gonna get up now? Serious seriously? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe actually, maybe he's just like a little bit jealous because ghosts don't sleep and he's just like, ah, oh, I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, this is as close as I can get. I'm going to watch you do it. That was the good stuff. Actually, funnily enough, I don't know if any of you at home have read the Twilight books, but that's why Edward used to watch Bella sleep because vampires don't sleep. And he was like, I miss doing that. It's weird. But anyway... <laughs> That's literally it's like weird. a whole he's thing. Weird. He's a weird. He's a weird boy. But like, I remember being thirteen also and being like, "Wow, that's so romantic." And I'm like, "That's all right." And be anyway. like, "Wow, I also don't sleep, Edward. What is it like?" <laughs> oh man, that's just okay. really nice. Thank you. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that one. Are you ready for our next one? Yes, Eden, eerie in England. Very nice. <laughs> all right. So this one is interesting because this is a ghost story, but also this person requested a little bit of um advice. So okay. Hopefully so I guess we'll give see. I don't know that I feel qualified to give advice, but I will do my best. So, hey guys. First of all, love the show. Been listening since you got a shout out on OnRack, Ona Ross and Carrie. And I love the show and you two to pieces. Thanks for making it and Aww. helping me always smile through some pretty shitty times. Hmm. Thank you for listening. And I always feel weird reading praise like that out loud, but it's nice. It does make me feel fuzzy inside. Um, but I also have a listener story slash advice question. So I do a lot of dog sitting and I'm currently dog and flat sitting for two weeks for a couple I know very well and have done lots of dog sitting for before, both overnight and one-off evenings. On a one-off evening a few months ago, I was sat on the stairs with one of the dogs while the others were outside. I heard a very distinct voice behind me say, come on, the way I would call the dogs back in. It didn't sound ethereal in any way, just 100% a woman stood behind me calling the dogs in. So much so that when I jumped up and looked behind me, I was shocked that one of the owners hadn't come home somehow without me knowing. The flat is laid out that it couldn't have been from the other home because I had heard them talk many times and it always came from the left, not behind. Despite my heart going a million miles a minute, I walked up the stairs and got a really weird vibe as I did so. Maybe it's imaginary because of the voice, but it just felt odd. Since then, and before then... I've been here probably tens and tens of times and nothing has happened, and I've never gotten a bad energy, which I have before. I feel like there's just this cool lady who used to live here and likes the dogs. But anyway, I am currently at said flat during my longest stay ever here, two weeks, and today I had to shut the four dogs away briefly while I ran to the bins, 
well, excuse me, while I ran the bins out, but when I came back upstairs, I heard a scratching, knocking sound on one of the doors. I open it, and the pup is in there, but not close enough to the door to be making any noise like that. I was wondering if you had any advice? Honestly, I'm not too worried. She seems like a pretty chill lady who just wants to hang out with the dogs and maybe wanted me to let them out for her to play with. The other thing that's odd is I haven't noticed the dogs reacting at all. Even my dog who came with me and isn't as regularly here. What do you guys think? Okay, I personally think that if the dogs aren't reacting in like a spooked way to the to whatever's going on, that it's probably okay. Like, Here's what I think. I think you're burying the lead on yourself. You're talking about this ghost lady who really likes the dogs. What you're clearly missing is this is an opportunity for you to meet and play with a ghost dog. <gasps> wow. Do you think there's a ghost dog? I don't think that this lady would just, like, be inhabiting this place if she hadn't already set up these habits with, like, her own dog, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I think this lady probably has some dog attachment from before and maybe has, like, mistaken your dogs, at least, like, in the beginning for, like, her dog. Yeah. Um, but then also there's this, like, the scratching and knocking sound and then the dog wasn't close enough to the door to be making that. So, like, that was ghost dog. Yeah. What I'm saying is you're focusing on the wrong end of this story. You hear, like, a strange lady calling in dogs. Maybe she wasn't calling in your dogs. Maybe she was calling in the ghost dogs, in which case you've got some new friends to find. Oh, wow. Alex, yeah. You found a lot of clues in this that I didn't even spot. Honestly, honestly, it sounds like a pretty good situation. Like, I, I don't think there's anything to be too concerned about. It sounds like you've got some pretty good, pretty good stuff going on, potentially ghost dogs. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, and like, worst case scenario, you drop a beat while you're over there watching and Ghost Lady's got you covered, right? Yeah, like, true. She's got your back. It's like a joint house dog sitting situation. But she doesn't want any of the payment because, uh, hopefully, ghosts have no need for money. <laughs> yeah, right. If there's ghost capitalism, uh, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, seriously. Like, I, I'm definitely not crossing over to the other side if that's the case. Um, anyway, yeah, I think you're doing all right. Sounds like a good time to me. So find the ghost dog is my advice. Yeah, absolutely. That might have been what was making the scritchy scratch. It might have been. Um, which is funny, because if it's a ghost dog, you'd think it could just pass through the door. But, you know, maybe it doesn't know. It doesn't know that it can do that. So. <laughs> In my experience, many dogs are not aware of the things that they can and cannot That's do. That's fair. That's very true. All right. Speaking of which, Bear has started trying to open the door with his mouth. Like, I mean, he he reaches up very gently, puts the doorknob in his mouth, and, like, tries to maneuver. Oh, no. Buddy. He wants to let himself out. He just wants to go on a walk. He wants to be independent. Yeah, he never did that in the old house. But now in the apartment, like, we've gotten into a habit with, like, twice a day, these specific times that we go on walks. And so if I'm, like, a little bit late, he'll go over (laughs) and just start opening the door. (laughs) Time to go. He's like, okay, let's go do it. Oh. Anyway. Good boy. All right. All right. You're up. Let's get into the next one. Yeah, I want to try to get through a few more before we get to the end here. We should be able to. We have just two more on yeah, this No, list, we'll do it. Okay, sweet. Okay, so this is coming to us from yet another Alex. Oh, um, this Alex is on Tumblr as Urban Legendarium, U-R-B-A-N-L-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-I-U-M. And um, I checked out this link because when you send links to me, I like to check them out. And a uh, super cool Tumblr, actually. I haven't been on Tumblr in, like, a hot minute. Same. No, I won't give you my URL. Same. Um, but this is a really, really cool blog and um, very cryptozoology-focused, and I recommend everybody check it out. Cool. Very cool. I'll give it a look as well. Anyway, here we go. This one is a ghost story, and it might be a little long, but it's something I'd put in the back of my mind for a long time for reasons that might become apparent as I go on. Now, I'm not particularly superstitious. 
I don't exactly believe in ghosts. You want a cryptid blog, Alex. <laughs> but anyway, but this story has stuck with me for some time, and it just sort of feels important if you understand. When I was seven years old, my dad died of a terminal illness. The year leading up to his death was a storm of emotion, and it didn't improve until years after he passed away. But the first couple months after he died were very strange. First, there were a lot of electrical problems in the house after he died. The TV would turn on randomly. Lights would flicker. The event that came back to me yesterday while listening to your Shadow People episode... <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> ...was when my sister and I turned the TV to a dead channel, and we both swore we could see a ballerina dancing in the static. It was very strange. My dad never danced or had any interest in ballet, but we saw it. These events didn't stop happening until my mom and I each had dreams regarding my dad. My mom told me about her dream years later, and it was about her and my dad dancing. And she woke up feeling his presence so strongly that she turned to him in bed to tell him about her dream to find him not there. Oh. My dream, however, has stuck with me to this day. It wasn't long after his death. I fell asleep and found myself in a dream more vivid than any I had been in before. My dad was there. We were fishing by a lake by my house. It was something we liked to do a lot. We were talking about life, and it felt very normal. And a little bit of body horror coming up, so okay. just be aware. Cool. Thank you for the warning. It, you're welcome. It went on like this until my dad fell silent, turned to me, and then burst into flames, his skin peeling off to reveal a charred skeleton. The weird part was that I didn't feel scared, almost like I knew this exact thing would happen. And weirder still is knowing that my dad was cremated, which makes this a little spookier. Oh. To this day, I haven't had any dreams with my dad in them, nor have we had any paranormal events in the house. I've even told therapists about the dream, and they usually find it, at least, interesting. Either way, I'm happy to have a chance to tell it to you. Wow. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. That's really... That's really interesting. I'm very sorry for your loss. But I, I think it's really interesting that you had that experience afterward. The ballerina is the thing that I, I that fascinate. I don't know why that one that affects me so much. Yeah, I don't know. I just recently, um, over this past summer, had uh, actually a couple different deaths in the family that all happened sort of at the same time, and were very like drawn out and 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 lengthy processes. That, and you know, the grieving process is so strange, and it's one of those weird things where like it can take years or at the time that you think like maybe you're supposed to be feeling a certain way you don't or you realize that like especially with something that goes on for a long time you might be going through that grieving process even before the person physically leaves you mm -hmm. um and it leaves you in this really strange place and i can only imagine like having this paranormal complication to it as well is definitely something that doesn't make that easier but there are people with way higher qualifications than me who could talk about the psychology of that and the psychology of ghost encounters um but you've got a really, really interesting story here. And I hope that in some way, whatever this process was for you, helped you with that grieving process. I hope that it made it feel more tangible in, in whatever way you needed. Um, I am sorry because it does genuinely sound horrifying in a lot of ways. But there's like, I don't know, there's something to be said for the ways that our brain tries to piece together the experiences that we have. And I'm not saying that these things didn't happen. I believe that they did. But it's it's interesting the ways mm -hmm. that those experiences can help us, like, find something to pin our, our feelings to. You know what yeah. I mean? It's easier to have, like, a reaction to an event like that than it is to just have, like, this sort of 
amalgam of emotions floating around inside your head. So I hope that this story and these experiences that you had, like, I don't know, gave you a way to sort of codify what you were going through. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm not mistaken, is there just one more that you have curated for us today? Um, shoot, there are a few more. I thought there was only one more. I... Oh, it didn't pop up in the names. Yeah, inside. that's what I was confused about. Um, so, but that's okay. We'll just do, we'll just do one more and then we'll, um, we'll get to the others next time. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, so I'll read this one. Yeah, do it. Um, so this is from Amber at Amsgray on, t- on Twitter. Uh, that's A-M-B-S-C-R-A-Y. Uh, oh boy. Here we go. Um, I like it. I'm not even going to read the header. I just want to go. Yeah, just, I'm just go for go it. In. All right. So, all right. Story time. This is actually a secondhand story that my dad told me about the time he's pretty sure he saw the Grim Reaper, death, what have you. I wish I could remember where this story takes place, but I'm not sure. He mostly grew up in Nebraska, but his family is from Mexico, so it's sort of a toss-up because they used to visit Mexico a lot. Anyway. He was in a car with a friend of his, and they were racing down a dirt road in the middle of the day to see how fast his friend could get his car to go. They had accelerated pretty quickly, and they were picking up speed when my dad's friend suddenly slammed on the brakes and skidded to a stop. My dad looked up to see what caused the dead stop and saw what he described as a very tall, hooded figure just standing perfectly still in the middle of the road several feet away. He said he remembers a feeling of dread creep over him, and he couldn't take his eyes off the stranger as he asked his friend if he saw it too. He did, and cited it as the reason he stopped. After several seconds of staring at the figure, it slowly began to fade away, and within seconds, it was completely gone. He and his friend just stayed quiet, and his friend slowly turned the car around and went back the way they came. No speed racer driving this time. They didn't talk about it much after it happened, and he told me it was when I was about 16. I'm 28 now, and I'll never forget that one. Or a few other ghostly... Sorry, he told me about it when I was about 16, not that it happened when she, when, uh, she was 16. So, I'm 28 now, and I'll never forget that one, or a few other ghostly ones he told me. Like I said, I'm not sure if it counts as a cryptid, but it's still pretty weird. I'm not well-versed in Grim Reaper or death lore, but... It's possible it was warning them of impending death if they didn't slow down? I'm not sure. Regardless, I hope it's as interesting a story for you guys as it was for me when he first told me. You gals, stay safe out there. Yeah, um, that was straight up death telling you not to drive so fast. (laughs) Yeah, right, Um, like, okay, here's the thing, Amber. Cool story, love it. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, it was 100% warning them of impending death. Like, that's not up for debate in this story that you have told. That was a harbinger of doom. That is precisely what that was. That is that just was... sort of like the very obvious consequence of, oh, I'm drag racing my car in the desert and there is the specter of death looming before me. Quite literally, the specter of death looming before me. That's why you stop for death, because if you don't, he will kindly stop for you. <laughs> Oh, is that um is that Emily Dickinson? It is. Yeah. My uh the goth queen of my heart. Exactly, uh, precisely. So love her. I thought it was. Alright. Um yeah. <laughs> stop for death, or death will stop for you, or death will stop your car. <laughs> or uh, death will stop your car. 
Actually, that reminds me, and I keep having just pop culture references, but if you're into, if you're a horror film fan, if you're listening, and you're into anthology horror, there's a really interesting anthology horror that I really enjoyed uh, called Southbound, which, as opposed to a lot of other anthology horror, which is just a lot of disjointed stories that are squished into one thing, or with kind of a very loose frame narrative, Southbound actually flows pretty well from story to story, but it all takes place on this deserted stretch of like southbound highway oh, um, nice. and the first sequence i won't go into the details of it but the first sequence sees two guys driving their car and spotting these sort of floating hooded grim reaper looking figures along the side of the road as they drive and that is what i was imagining while i was reading that oh man uh, yeah so yeah, if if you're a horror film fan, it's a very interesting one. It's quite it 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 definitely is is one of the better executed anthology horror films I've seen. It's like I think four or five stories uh linked pretty seamlessly. So yeah, anyway, but the Grim Reaper imagery of being on the dirt road, Grim Reaper, that got to me. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, seriously. Super interesting. And I'm glad that they stopped the car. Same, cuz it sounds same, like they big made same. it out alive. <laughs> And that is likely a possibility as to why you are here and able to tell us this story. So, um, drive safe, kids. The Grim Reaper yeah. says drive safe. That's one heck of a PSA. Mm-hmm. Like, you thought that they were being heavy-handed in, like, driver's ed when they showed you, like, a video that had the Grim Reaper in it about, like, teen driving. No, they weren't being heavy-handed. The Grim Reaper cares a lot about safe driving. <laughs> it's a cause he holds very near and dear to his heart um, so yeah. yeah that is a part one of our Halloween listener story special yeah we have a whole bunch of great ones for you guys next time we have um, we have a couple of hellhound sightings which <gasps> I'm really excited for um, we have at least one that's aliens there's a banshee oh sighting in the mix for next time um, and there's a bigfoot sighting oh my gosh yeah it's gonna be so great yeah. so we put all the ghosties in this episode but, uh, yeah, a lot of the ghosties and the the more implicitly terrifying mm-hmm. ones were in this episode. Um, except for Hamster Ghost, who I do love That was love just a, a nice little break in the fear. I do love Weary I Hamster love, Ghost. I love him. Uh, I imagine him as being played by uh, the guy who played... Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. What's his name? Oh, shoot. <laughs> the butler on The Nanny. Like, the, like, angry British butler. Anyway. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay, I don't anyway, know that that's who. Name. That's who he is. Um, Very good. Except for I don't think that man is dead. I hope he's not. Anyway, so <laughs> that would be a really weird ghost experience to have. Yeah, I'm gonna get a lot of tweets about whether or not that man is dead. Please tell. I'll look it up. And after maybe we what his recording. name is. I don't know. That yeah. would be helpful. That if you guys want to tweet at us, like give us <laughs> some information. Um, so yeah, I hope everyone has a very happy Halloween. I know that I am planning to we yeah, shall see whether you're yeah. partying hard or handing out candy or just i don't know maybe hypothetically just gonna eat so many donuts and watch twin peaks probably yeah whether you're partying hard hypothetically or partying. <laughs> yeah um, me whether you're gluing um, felt fish onto a dress uh while you watch uh the chilling adventures of sabrina or um, eating a whole bunch of donuts and a trench coat like it's fine live your best life that's very good um, yeah and uh yeah enjoy the holiday thank you so much to everybody who sent in their stories to us um yeah, seriously of, like the really intimate and heartfelt ones if we didn't get to yours this time and you know for a fact you emailed it to us chances are it's going to be in part two but if it's not we'll find another way to fit it in 
I'm sorry, there were so many, which is like the best possible problem to have. And I'm so glad that we were able to like make this a two-parter so we can get in a lot more of these. Um, feel free to keep sending them in. As always, we will try to do more of these in the future. They're a lot of fun for us and they seem to be fun for other people. So Heck yeah. that's a plus. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you so much. Like I said, have a happy Halloween. Um, be like joyous and spooky, but safe. <laughs> so that brings me to our send off as always. We hope we can keep you around and stay spooky and stay safe out there. 